Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 246 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Botano 19 plus. Please play responsibly. You got a lot of NHL games this week, maybe the uh, ALCS, NLCS, or Monday Night Football, Cowboys and Chargers. Play responsibly. The game starts now at botano.ca. I am Jason Greger, alongside Frank Saravalli. And uh, Frank, the first uh, weekend of the National Hockey League uh, regular season and uh, lots of storylines, uh, good and bad. Uh, there's, uh, as usual, there's um, a little bit of an overreaction on both sides, which uh, which makes it quite exciting. It's always fun to play the overreaction game. Who can yell the loudest and stamp their feet? And I guess maybe the best part about the overreaction game is that sometimes, occasionally, someone is right. Yeah, maybe, but we'll uh, we'll see. Um, you know, there are. Let's start with the positive ones because, hey, people. You know, it's a game that everybody likes. To, well, not everybody, but lots of people like to play. You know, Austin Matthews is going to score 240 goals this year. He's averaging a hat trick per game, which is unreal. Um, his best start came uh, to his season is when he had uh, 10 goals in his first six games in uh, 2019. He ended up with 37 that year. Um, you know what? I, I thought at the start of the season, Matthews, I put him as a candidate to score 60. Now he only has to score 54 and 80. Like it's a, a good start just allows you a lot more room to breathe. Like 54 and 80 seems a lot easier than 60 and 82. Well, the first thing I was asked this morning on Toronto radio was, can he get to 70? And the answer is, of course he can. Like it's not impossible to think that yeah. someone could score 70. But I, I think the biggest thing for me is it's not a numbers game. I don't care what he ends up with. This is huge, huge news for the Toronto Maple Leafs because he has that swag back. He has that. I called it an aura of invincibility. And he had that a couple years ago when he hit 60 and won the hard trophy. He did not have that last year. And I don't know why. I don't know if it was health or if it was... Whatever it was, contract looming over his head, like whatever, who knows? The point is he has it back, and after being punctured, it, he he looks bulletproof again. And that's a scary thought for everyone else in the National Hockey League that steps in and has to play the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is this guy, he's a stone-cold killer when he wants to be. 
And that was really missing because the last year, all, all you heard was a bunch of yeah, buts from Toronto Maple Leaf fans. Yeah, but he's playing better defensively. Yeah, but uh, maybe this is exactly the way he needs to play in order for this team to go on a deep run in the playoffs. My yeah, but to that is he gets paid what he does because he's, he's supposed to score goals. And when you're, you have an elite talent that is able to shoot 46% in your first two games, there's like not very many people that can do that. And that's his, that's his secret special sauce is that swag that no one else really has. You got to go back to the exciting 1993 season when both Solani and McGilney scored uh, 76 goals. That's the last time an NHL player has uh, reached 70 goals, right? From 93, it's also, 92. It's also the I last think- time that someone scored 60 back to back, Pavel Bure, which Connor McDavid is trying to do this year. Well, I was 93 and 94. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, you know, yeah, McDavid could do that. Um, you know, there, there's only been Solani, McGilney, uh, Brett Hall, Marilyn Lemieux, Gretzky, Curry, and Bernie Nichols, uh, Phil Esposito to uh, to score 70. So, you know, it's a unique category. No question. You get into those high numbers, points, goals, whatever it is, you're going in a pretty exclusive category. So it's really early to say 70. I would say 60 because we've seen it. But McDavid had 64. So to score six more goals, it's definitely doable. He just did I, it in I, two games. He had 15% of last year's total in two games. Yeah. It's it's entirely possible. I'm not, I would never bet against him to do it. Every time a guy who gets like 60, like when Matthews got 60 a few years ago, you're gonna have streaks where you get hot. That's just that you have to have it. You have to have a run of you know a hat trick and and then a two goal and then a two goal and then maybe another hat trick. You have a real run because eventually you'll have a few games off, right? Because it's harder, I find, to to score if you're just going. You know, like one, 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 right? Like if you look at Matthews, the year he scored 60, I think he had four hat tricks, right? So he's halfway there. And then you have a lot of two goal games. And um, now he did score a lot of singles. Don't get me wrong. But uh, you get a few of those multiple games. It just makes it more easy. You think there's a chance uh, he could get a hat trick of hat tricks to start the year? Nine goals in three games. Let's try to look at. um, No one's ever done it. It, yeah. No one in NHL history in their first three games of the year has opened with three hat tricks. Well, it would be fun. It would be wild, especially yeah. against Connor Bedard and the and the Hawks. Well, I was just going to say he's playing the team that, like, no offense, Chicago fans, but their defense is not necessarily you know the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights type of defense here. If if there is a team when you're rolling, and I, I get that there's hype about Connor Bedard. But the elite players are competitive and they're like, hey, I want Bedard to do good, but I'd still like to show that, hey, guess what? I'm still here. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see Matthews a shooting gallery tonight. Peter Morazic revenge game back in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe Frank, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later on. We'll talk about uh, games coming back. Um, to me, the biggest game of the weekend that, that caught my eye as a surprise was the Anaheim Ducks kind of spanking the Carolina Hurricanes, right? The Ducks jumped out to a 3 nothing lead. You know, they led 4-1. to one. Now, Carolina did make it close. I'll give them credit. They scored, uh, you know, in the uh, in the third period, and all of a sudden, it's 4-3. But Anaheim held off. And, you know, for a young team, right, 
you know, and Frank Vetrano, Frank, like look at the early season hat tricks. Frank's a tank. Love right? it. Boone Jenner, Frank Vetrano, like it's hat tricks from guys that you don't necessarily expect. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, not bad. Not bad. Um, look, the the Canes looked fine though, and and had fine stretches on this this road trip to this point. So, not too worried about the Canes. No, no, me neither at all. But now, also uh, the other guy we should look at is Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, kept that game close for it's the San Jose Sharks, right? He had over against Colorado. Did you see that performance? Like, could have been a blowout. The Avs couldn't score to save their life. He's ended up with 51 saves, the most stops ever in a first game for a goalie for the San Jose Sharks. But I'm telling you, Frank, you know how there's some early season trends that we see? I'm telling you, that's an early season trend that's going to continue. The Sharks are going to give up a lot of shots and their goalies are going to get peppered. It is going to be a long season in San Jose. Mackenzie Blackwood has a lot to prove. It's going to be a fast. He's going to be a fascinating guy to watch this year. Also on a, a one-year deal, right? Um, Mike Greer really liked him going back to New Jersey. Remember, Mike Greer was an assistant coach there, and he saw something. And for a while, Mackenzie Blackwood was in that category of the next, you know, star goalie growing up. Twenty-three years old, nine fifteen save percentage for the Devils. His first, uh, when you take a look at his first seventy games played in his career. Yeah. 64 starts, 916 save percentage. I mean, this guy was very highly thought of and fell on hard times. Really, the biggest thing was his health. Um, that that Achilles ankle-related injury, whatever that was, discomfort in his heel wreaked havoc on his career. And now he gets a, a fresh start, a redo. I, I I think he could be something again. I'm not saying one game, I'm not judging it based off of that, but when you have that kind of pedigree and you finally then get healthy, maybe the Sharks have a little flippable asset on their hands. I want to ask you a question, Frank. Of teams who have played at least two games, there are currently five who don't have a win. San Jose's 0-1-1. Seattle is 0-2-1. Florida, Buffalo, and Edmonton are 0-2. Of those five, excluding San Jose, because we all don't think they're going to be good, Seattle, Florida, Buffalo, Edmonton, is there one you're most concerned about early on in the season? Did you say that don't have a win? Don't have a win. That played at least two games, so I didn't include Like, Would you not include the Kings there? Oh, yeah, sorry. The Kings are 0-1-1, yeah. And the Kraken, 0-2-1? Yeah, I said the Kraken, 0-2-1. Okay. Which am I most concerned about? Yeah. Probably the Panthers. Because their defense. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it in our previews. I just, you dig yourself a hole in this division and you're probably not going to get out of it. Like, I know they were seven points out last Christmas. Like, I I just don't see that happening again. They could be done by mid-November. Mid-November? Woo! Now, see, for me, it's the Kraken because the one area of their game that I thought was going to be very hard to replicate was their offense. And early on, they're struggling to score, right? They've only got two goals in three games. And last year, like they had a ridiculously high shooting percentage, the highest in the league, um, especially at five on five. And it just, you like when your team percentage is that high, 
you got a lot of guys having great years. It's going to be hard to replicate. And that's, I thought was going to be Seattle's biggest thing to overcome was trying to, when you have a combined group of everybody shooting well, Frank, I think that's a hard thing to, to replicate, duplicate. And I know it's early, but that's the one team that uh, the, uh, the issues I saw or I thought I would see have uh, have arisen early on. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I talked about that all offseason, just how well they played collectively last year. Um, I'm not concerned about the Sabres, for instance. Like, I don't think they're going to go on for too many stretches averaging a goal and a half a game. They've got three goals in two. Yeah. Probably not going to happen. And I'm but not... I'm not concerned about Devin Levi's start either. They've got a string of five, four or five consecutive home games coming up. Some winnable games. Buffalo is going to bounce back. Okay. Because the one area the Sabres did need to improve on, they were 30th or 31st in five on five defense last year. Hmm. I so. mean, do you, are, do you have goal scoring concerns with them? No, no. Offense isn't an issue in Buffalo. I agree with you, but they're averaging four goals against, right? Like that's where they got improved, right? Like, you know, it's no different than Edmonton. Everybody knows what Edmonton's weakness is. And, and obviously the start of the season has, uh, it's, it's been a spotlight. No question. Um, now rational people will look and say, okay, the orders are not going to be this bad. Their goalies like to have a 750 save percentage in back-to-back starts of the season, Frank, like, I don't care who you are. It's very hard to win those games. Mm -hmm. Um, But the orders five on five scoring wasn't an issue last year. It's been an issue through two games. They got one goal, five on five. It happened the first shift of the game in game two. Basically the, you know, you look at it, that they didn't score again, five on five in that game. They didn't score five on five in Vancouver. So um, not from lack of shots, but lack of finish being an issue. And like, well, you know, Captain Obvious statement of the pod, uh, their goaltending can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's going to be 750 all year. <laughs> like it, It's going to improve. Now, will it improve to to 905? It'll take a while. Like you, It's funny. You, you do have to be a little bit concerned about Jack Campbell though, right? Well, no, he only played 24 minutes. I'd be more concerned about Skinner. Oh, I'm less concerned about Skinner and way more concerned about Campbell because I don't, I don't think there's any doubt Skinner's going to bounce back. But I think there's real doubt that Campbell will. Okay. Yeah, there might be. I didn't think Campbell actually played that. If I went, I went back and looked at all the goals and saves in that game. I didn't like he had no chance in the Garland goal. Um best the, the only goal that probably I would look at is the third goal he let in because it started from him, you know, kind of giving a juicy blocker rebound out to where he wouldn't normally, but it was still the third shot. Like he made the first save, he made the second save, and then the third one beat him. So you know, usually I'm looking at, I'm not thinking point. of the goals as you're saying, and I'm going the Garland goal. Like he was deked out of his pants right in front of the net. Yeah. But watch that play. It's a bang, bang. The guy takes the pass in full flight. It's really hard for a goalie to go side to side, just like that. Right. Like your defenseman's you probably think the demons knocking it down. Like that's that. I talked to a few goalie scouts from other teams and they're like, yeah, I don't really blame my goalie on that. Like guys are going, you know, at full speed, you take the pass, you got to play it there. It makes a deke. What do you do? Hmm. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. And then the fourth goal, obviously, is, you know, in off a skate, you know, it's not even uh set play. Those happen, but, um, and I'm not overly concerned about Skinner's game. Like the thing is the orders in front of the net, feel free to actually get your stick on a guy. So they can't deflect pucks mm. like that. I feel like, like I'm the, coaching my nine U team right now. Yeah. Like what's the point of standing right beside the guy? Hey, how's it going? Good. All right, here you go. Well, we'll I won't tie your stick up. I'm standing right here, not doing anything. So. 
That's I heard right. that all weekend. We had four games this weekend. Yeah. So young kids, I get it. At the U9 level, man, you just want to give them the right position. That's a win. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, I apparently have a voice after this weekend. Yeah. All right, Jay, we're introducing a, a new segment now. And uh, the Daily Faceoff and the Nation Network, pleased to welcome Crown Royal to the family. And we're going to come up with a generous guy every show. Pick a player or team who went out of their way to do something for a teammate or an, an opponent on or off the ice. So um, Crown Royal reminds you that generosity lives in the small things. So who's your generous guy from week one of the NHL? Well, I'm going to go with uh, Arbor Jack guy because, first of all, his teammate Caden Gooley got absolutely rocked by arguably the heavyweight champ of the league in, uh, in Ryan Reeves. And uh, then without hesitation, he mm. jumps in, you know, they have a scrap. Uh, everything's all right. You know, not, no one really wins or loses. You know, you can say, I guess, if you want to give him the takedown because he pushed him into the net. Okay, sure. But there wasn't any, like, if you look at those punches, none of them really landed. And uh, a you, to stand up to Reeves and have zero hesitation to give him a lot of credit because I, I know that he's the tough guy in Montreal, but there's still different levels of tough guys in the league. And I'm not sure he's, He's yet proven he's a consistent heavyweight. Like he's crushed some guys. Don't get me wrong. But Reeves is a big, strong man. And then a few days later, Reeves, well, I don't like getting jumped. And you know, what'd what? you make uh, of that? I thought that was an all time yeah, like weenie comment. Like you're either ready or you're not. Yes. You got to know a who's on the ice. So, you know, he's, he's on the Wi-Fi is on the ice. Everybody knows it. The, and, and the hit on Gooley, right? Like, to be honest, I hate that hit. Right. I don't like like the, we are allowed guys to just crash guys from behind all day. I hate it. I don't care who you are. At least his was up against the boards, but I still don't like it. You know, instantly when you turn around, you should be ready. So, you know what? But I'll say this about Reeves. Reeves is the best at building up hype because I'll tell you right now, the next time Montreal and Toronto plays, everybody's watching to see if it happens. Yeah, that's great. But you lost the first one. So be be like, be ready. It's the season opener. You have one job. No one's asking you to go out and score goals or do anything. Else. Like you, you're supposed to be the intimidator. Not very intimidating when you, you know, someone goes toe to toe with you and it doesn't look great in your first game. Yeah. Well, look at his second game against Minnesota, right? Huge hit on Goudreau instantly yep. turns around Felino and him, former teammates. They go love that. It, so. Yeah, I love how he's saying before the game that he loves going against his former teammates. He said, "The better you know him, the better the fight is." So, no, well, and the guy you want to hit him harder, like in, in, being physical or whoever. And he's like, "Yeah, unfortunately for them, I got a lot of friends on that team, and that wasn't." I don't hard know about hit. you, but that does not make me fight harder. But that's it. Usually, does the opposite for me. It takes a special kind. Yeah. Well, I thought he said hit harder. I don't think he said fight. Right? Yeah, maybe, say, but I think yeah. everyone kind of knew, especially oh. after the way game one went, that it, he was going to find a way to go to try and redeem himself. Yeah, wow. That was a huge hit, though, by the way. We've seen some hellacious hits in the first week of the season. It's, uh, you know, preseason, not preseason, but early in the year, Frank, and some guys caught with their head down. Maybe they don't have their timing yet because there's yeah. been some hellacious hits. Yeah. Who happens. is your uh, generous guy? Uh, my generous guy goes to the entire Columbus Blue Jackets game presentation team for their extremely generous and hilarious welcome back to Jonathan Quick. You'd call him a one-time Columbus Blue Jacket. I mean, 
if you'd even call him that, gets <laughs> traded from L.A. to Columbus. Uh, it's basically L.A. to Vegas via Columbus last year. Totally caught by surprise. Um, the Columbus team on track for 50-some points. Obviously, uh, they didn't have much incentive to keep him. And he never even flew out that way. They just told him, hey, stay at home in L.A. We'll find a place to send you. And they ultimately worked out the deal to get him to Vegas. But, of course, Jonathan Quick now with the New York Rangers in town to play the Blue Jackets. They give him a big welcome back on the Jumbotron. He's on the bench with his hat on, sitting there chuckling. Uh, pretty funny all the way around. And so a definitely a generous welcome back as Crown Royal invites you to live generously. Crown Royal, crown everything. So glad to have Crown Royal and their entire team on board with our team, our newest teammate at Daily Faceoff. And you know what I'll say about the Blue Jackets, Frank? I really think they were poking fun at what bec- what has become ridiculous the amount of honoring guys who play half a year or a year for one team like that used to be reserved for somebody who had spent minimum five consecutive seasons with the team, right? Like they got to know the community. They did stuff in the community nowadays. Oh, did this guy play a a year for us? Or Oh, sure. Let's welcome. Like what it does is it actually ruins it for the people that were really indebted into the community and that organization and the fans really connect like come on like are you just a grinch no because we do that too it's like the participation ribbon now oh but there's gets- absolutely jack shit happening in a game that if if he's not if they're not in a stoppage and media timeout as like the they're out there shoveling the ice if there's not a welcome back to some guy you know a quick little tip of the cap you know the so-and-so are pleased to welcome back uh Whoever it might be, Mackenzie Blackwood, since we just talked about him, the New Jersey Devils, welcome back, Mackenzie Blackwood. Does anyone have there for four years? Okay. But like what what I'm saying is if he's not doing that, we've got some some guy on screen selling you some hoodie or hat from the merch store as if anyone gives a bleep about that. Yeah. Well, then come up, be more creative then. All I'm saying is now you, that's why I love the Blue Jackets because, well, no, the it, Blue Jackets was, was, was funny. So good. Everybody it was like, knew it. let's, it, you, you, oh, like, I like the Blue Jackets one because it was funny. Everybody knew the humor in it, but the other ones yeah. aren't meant to be funny. But I, and now is your it, fans is it like, so wrong to be like, I, I don't know. It's funny because some places say, I don't know, once a pick, pick a team, once an oiler, always an oiler. Like if you played a season there, do you not, you don't get a welcome back? Not for me. And you talk to fans and fans like, geez, now I'm applauding for Dave and I don't even remember Dave. Like it's just different for me. So, <laughs> okay. So you're saying a minimum of what? I, I'd have a minimum of five. Somebody has got to play like four full seasons for your team. All right. No. I'm writing it down. Write it down. And put, what? It, put it in the CBA. God damn it. Put it in the CBA. How often it happens. Somebody gets traded at the deadline. They played 20 games for that team. Oh, let's welcome him back the next year. Are you joking? Yeah, no, certain people don't get it. Like Ryan O'Reilly, like trade deadline comes over to the Leafs and then goes, oh, I didn't really like playing there. You don't, sorry, you don't welcome him back next time. No, but let's watch and see, Frank. Watch and see. (laughs) There'll be a few of them. So, so good. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. 
Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk to the program. What's up, gentlemen? Um, I'm stopping in and we have another new sponsor, Frank. Well, it's an old friend and I am very excited for this one because buy or sell and fill in the blank are once again brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Don't let the holidays get ahead of you. If you're running out of time to run errands, go grocery shopping and cook a delicious meal for that gathering you agreed to host, it doesn't have to be this hard. You can make DoorDash your holiday hack this holiday season. And for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app in Canada and enter the code NATION25. And I really screwed up because I was very excited to hit the Liam Ding Dong button and bring DoorDash back. But I remembered I got a new audio mixer and I didn't load the file before we started recording. So boo, boo, boo. See, look, there's a fail at welcoming back, Frank. It doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, Come on, we good, need to edit in a, a Liam Ding Dong. I was going to say. Still, honestly, if you're if you're new to the pod or whatever it is, for the longest time with DoorDash, Tyler would just hit a button and it would be a doorbell. And then one day we had Liam filling in for Tyler and he didn't know what the button, the button was. And in his script that he was supposed to read, Tyler had it like all written out for him. And it was like, Hey, you know, say this, this, and this, and then, and then ding dong. And he didn't know what to do. So he just said ding dong, but he has an English accent because he's from England and it's still the funniest goddamn thing ever. Oh yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> If you're uh, so if you're a new listener, you'll have to look forward to it on Thursday. That'll be the that'll be your big uh, Thursday moment. Is the it's new season of for everyone, Tyler? Up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what can you do? All right, let's uh, let's dig into things here. Uh, something that broke last week, but you guys didn't have a chance to talk about. I think it happened just a couple hours after the pod was the Devon Taves extension out in Colorado. So let's do a little fill in the blank. The Devon Taves contract is blank, Frank. A bargoon. I mean, you mm-hmm. consider these other deals that have been signed recently. And and I know where Devon Taves is at age 30 to 37. You know, people are looking at it and saying, Oh, that's a long time of Devon Taves. And I'm going, hold on a second. You have a guy who's a 50 point defenseman who meshes so perfectly with uh, Kale McCarr. He's the yin to his yang. What? Like, and it's only costing you seven and a quarter million dollars. Compare and contrast that to some other guys that have been signed. And I know they're younger, but certainly sometimes less impactful. <clears throat> Darnell Nurse. Um, and you look at that and you go, okay, 
nine and a half or seven and a quarter. I, I know which one I'm picking. Yeah. I mean, buying his seasons into his late thirties is, is the bigger or big difference there. But I, I agree. That I, I, I prefaced yeah. all that and said, yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. understand this is not apples to apples, but we saw yeah. a string and run of guys signing high eights, mid nines. This is a change of pace. And it's a, obviously to me, a guy that really wants to be in Colorado. Yeah. Gregor, the Devontae's contract is blank. Oh yeah. It's really good value for the abs. No question about it. Um, I think they look at their, their next four years or five years and they feel like, Hey, we're going to be a really competitive team then. And uh, if Devontae's in the last two years of his deal, isn't a top pair defenseman anymore. The cap probably will be by then. If it goes up the way they think it will a hundred mil and you know, you'll be able to be fine. If he's only a second pair defenseman, by the uh, by, the last two years of that deal, it, it's hard. It's hard to knock it. It's um, and and the thing about him is, I think he's a young twenty nine. If you look at his games played and when he started in the NHL, he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. So I think his contract, I think he will age well, which will make his contract age even better. Yeah, I, I think he will too. And right now, the thing with all these long term deals is in four or five years, like who knows what the cap's at seven point, whatever million that might be the going rate for like a really good second pairing defenseman in the league by the end of this deal. So it should age perfectly fine. Uh, You guys started the podcast by talking about Austin Matthews and his red hot start. So I'm going to give you a mulligan on a preseason prediction. Austin Matthews finishes the season with blank goals. Jason. Um, I think I had 61 or two at the start of the year. So I, I don't think I was that far off. Um, I'll stick with that. I don't, yeah. I, I'm not going to go crazy. If he would have got two hat tricks in the middle of the season, like I expect him to get a few hat tricks this year. Now, if he gets three in a row and becomes the first player in NHL history, you know, that's pretty remarkable. And it just increases. His so with one more, he's amending, but now he's like, no, no, no. With one more. I mean, I would feel even more confident, but here's the thing, guys, Matthew's scoring goals. It's more so how many games does he miss? And that's just the yeah. truth. That's not a knock on him. He's always missing seven, eight games a year, excluding the one season where he played 82. So like any player, Matthews, to me, it's more about injuries of him not getting to 60 than actual skill. That's the part of the gamble that no one really talks about. Yeah. I'm going to say 67. Ooh. <laughs> getting dangerously close to 70. Ooh. Yeah, I think just short of that, but yeah, entirely possible. And reasonable. It's just, it's crazy because one, like, I don't think these are going to be the only two hat tricks he gets all season. Like he's, he's going to rack up a few more in all likelihood, but at some point, just the math, right. Of like, if if Matthews is just decent for a stretch of 10 games here, what's he going to end October with? He's going to have like 15 goals. He could have 15 goals by the end of October. And that's not like insane at all. The name of the game is actually really limiting your skids. He's invariably going to have a point in time where he goes four straight games without a goal. Make sure that it's not seven or whatever the number is, and you'll be just fine. Keep just keep chugging along. Mm -hmm. All right. Last one I got for you guys taking a look at a couple of teams that didn't have a lot of expectations heading into the season, but are off to some good scrappy starts. Montreal Canadiens points in consecutive games. The Anaheim Ducks are one and one to start the year and picked up an impressive victory over the Carolina Hurricanes. Between those two, the team that finishes the year with the most points will be blank, Frank. Montreal and who? Anaheim. Oh, it's Montreal. I don't even think it's close. Really? You're not. Yeah, I I think they're going to be 10 clear of the Ducks. 
Wow. I like the, I like the Habs. I like what they're building. I think you mentioned scrappy. That's the definition of Marty St. Louis in a nutshell. There, at some point, we talk all the time about how the Canes um, really play with the identity of their coach. That's going to be the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm telling you right now, their forward group, look at Cole Caulfield going off to start the year. By the way, I said he would score 50 goals. Don't need to amend that prediction. Uh, their forward group is playoff caliber. It's their defense that's going to hold them back. And all you need to do is be scrappy to exceed a low bar. And that's what's been set for them as a low bar. I'm with Frank that Montreal is going to be better than those teams. I don't see them as a playoff team. Um, but to me, if we're asking who's at the bottom, it's Sano. Like, I think Sano, San Jose might end up last by eight points. So between the Ducks and Habs, who's your answer again? Oh, I'll take the I'll, Montreal's he, better team. How did he get to the Sharks? Oh, I thought he said all three. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Um, all right. There you go, boys. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank delivered by DoorDash. That is a wrap on, who's, who's, on two who guys that who have goals. like ADHD. You asked the question and we're like, which teams again? Yeah, Hello? I, well, I thought it was going to be who scores on? more goals, Frank Vitrano or Cole Caulfield? Frank the Tank. No, it's Cole Caulfield scoring 50. Yeah. Just write it I in could Sharpie. add three. One was called off, right? So. Write it in Sharpie, buddy. It's happening. 50 is hard, man. 50 is really. What do you want to bet? I don't, it's, it's not a bet I can't because I don't like betting for guys not to reach 50. Like, I, I'd love to see a guy score 50. I just think 50 is super hard. That's I just think there's a lot of people out there that are going, oh, look how tiny he is. He's bound to miss 15 to 20 games every year. Well, I don't know about that. Like, he's stocky, right? Like, he's there. If, if you're short and slight, Frank, Big, big issue. But like you mentioned his coach, look at Marty St. Louis. Now he obviously had tree trunks for legs, for goodness sakes. Like his one leg would make up most people's two legs. But uh, Cole Caulfield's a stockier guy. Um, so I think that'll help him endure the wear and tear of a regular season. Like I don't I don't see him necessarily as a guy automatic, but it is it's simple physics and math. Right. Um, but Johnny Gaudreau never had this problem. Yeah, but Johnny Gaudreau plays a different style than Cole Caulfield. I think Cole Caulfield plays a little bit more inside of guys. And when you do that, you're more likely to get banged up, right? And it, and it's not a knock on uh, on Gaudreau and how he plays. His play is effective for him. He doesn't shy away, but he's not a guy who's in there. You know, he doesn't cycle the puck a ton. You know, as much as a, as a guy like Coff. Not the Caulfield's. That's his majority of his game either. But I just feel that he plays a little bit more inside guys in Gaudreau. And when you do that, you're just more susceptible to getting whacked. Mm-hmm. So. I wanted to ask you, we talked about the Oilers part of their own two start, but what about the Canucks end of it? Not like park a lot of the eight one stuff, you know, you always look like a world beater, but game two to me was way more impressive than game one. Where are you at well, on the Kay- Canucks? Casey DeSmith was their best player, right? Like he, uh, he made some key stops for them. Um, he was no, under siege. At, Remember the first 42 seconds? Like I thought the Oilers were going to run the Canucks out of the building. Well, exactly. And, and they should have, if you look at like, you know what, they kind of, they got an early power play and that actually, to me, sucked the life out of them. They didn't do very much. They didn't do very much in that power play. And that kind of gave Vancouver some momentum. And then, you know, Vancouver just got a few tip goals. Like 
go to the net. Didn't have, Edmonton, Edmonton, ha, you can't score pretty all the time, right? And last year they didn't. Last year, five on five, they got all their bottom six guys had double digits, and it's only two games. But Edmonton, to me, like, but I'm asking Casey, you about the Canucks end of it. No, but not, I look at the Canucks. To me, Frank, their their defense, like their goaltending. Now, I'm not saying Casey Smith's going to play that way every game, but Demko's really good. And you talked about Montreal. Like, I just I think Vancouver's defense is going to give up a lot, and that means they're going to have to rely on their goaltender a lot. Um, I'll say this, though. I love JT Miller. Like, his competitiveness that entire game, man, like, he is going to do very well, I think, with Rick Tockett. I think those two guys are going to be on the That's same That's his new page. guy. He's the Tockett's. Tockett's been able to be a whisperer to guys that can be perceived as difficult to get to. And yeah. it's obvious right from the start that JT Miller was his guy. Yeah, well, you look how he plays, Frank. Like, Tockett was no shrinking violet, right? Like, Tockett, Tockett wanted to kill guys. Almost 1,000 points and almost 3,000 penalty minutes. Yeah, he was Crazy. tough. Nails, skilled. And Miller competes hard. Um, I like a lot of their – like, I picked Vancouver to make the playoffs. So, I like their team, but their deficiency is going to be their back end. Now, when they get Susie back, that's going to help. I was going to say, I think you've undersold their D a bit, and you're probably overlooking the loss of Susie right now. Yeah, well, no, Susie coming back will help, but I still like the one guy I like who's more competitive than I thought was Aronic. He he's is good. Now, he's not JT Miller, different position, but man, he was in the guy's face of, of Edmonton all game mm-hmm. and, and a lot of their top six. So I like him a lot. Obviously, Quinn Hughes, like Quinn Hughes gets the puck, man. He's so smooth back there like he he calms the play down there's never there's no too many pressure plays for him on the ice he's an exciting player to watch right like i know he had more points in the opening game but i thought his game in game two was way better they could use one more defenseman if you can go hughes myers ronick for a full year susie when healthy ian cole and then someone in the sixth spot that isn't julson brisebois or hiroshi yeah that would help that that's that's really like you need six competent guys, and I no. think the sixth guy right now is by committee, and they're just kind of hamming and egging. Yeah, like it's only two games, Frank. But I thought Vancouver played with a lot more intensity from their forwards than I saw last year. Intensity is Rick Tockett's thing. I'm. I just. I. I. I think people. I guess my point was people came away from those first two games saying, oh, but here's what the Oilers didn't do. And I'm like, no, no, but here's what the Canucks did to them that you actually have to give credit. Yeah, no, I thought they, I thought they played all right. They still like, you know, Edmonton at five on five, if you look at expected goals and you look at shots and you look at quality shots, like, especially in game two, like the, the numbers from, uh, from uh, sport logic, like the Oilers absolutely controlled that game five on five. They just couldn't score. So, um, and that, and Hey, guess what? You need your goalie to do that. your backup, hopefully a few times a year and your starter six to 10 times. And if you do that, you're a playoff team. And then okay. the other games, the guys take care of themselves. So when is too early to sound the alarm on the LA Kings? Speaking of goaltending. Wow. Two goals, nine goals, two games, nine goals against eight thirty six save percentage as a team. I don't think it's too early, Frank, because I think I don't think was, so either. Like I'm thinking yeah. they're probably sitting here today going, what were we thinking? Yeah, that was their main question mark going into the season. It had to be. And that's 
it's it's looked exactly like a lot of people thought it might, which is substandard NHL goaltending. When oh, would the- you if you're if you're in Rob Blake's chair, how many weeks of this would you need to see in order to pull the trigger on something different? Well, well, the one thing I will say is look at who they played. They played two teams who most thought would be the top three, four teams in the NHL in Colorado and Carolina. So that's where that's my one caveat. It's like, hey, you're playing the Carolina Hurricanes, who are a wagon in the regular season, and you know that they just come at you at shift after shift. And I know the Ducks beat them, but it was, you know, but then Colorado is, is the same thing. Like they but got here's a lot of the offense. point: is the Kings were facing a different kind of pressure this year. You get to the playoffs two years in a row, you lose in the first round, and it's we need to see progress. We need to get to the next level, the next tier. And all these first two games tell you is, again, not to make an over, you know, proclamation over, if that's even a word, over the first couple games. But if you're looking for a reason as to why you're not in that group, goaltending's it. Yeah, well... Now, um, Talbot's numbers against Colorado, okay, but Copley's numbers against Carolina, right? Like, he gave up five goals on 19 shots, right? Like, that, that's Euler-esque this season, Frank. I'm just saying, how are, I, I asked the question, how early yeah. is too early to be concerned? Yeah. Like, I, knowing, knowing Blake and them, I think they'll say, okay, it's two games. Let's, like, at, every, I talked to a few coaches and GMs, and I said, like, when do you not get nervous? And, I, and it was funny. Most GMs said at least 10 games where you try, you learn over time not to get too, you know, fired up. And then another one said, even the first 20, because it goes, I've seen my team go seven and three in 10 games and then go two and eight in the next 10. And I'm like, I don't know what my team is. So it, it kind of varies. I don't know. I think it's maybe it's because goaltending, you know, I'd have to go through a breakdown of every goal and I didn't see every goal, but I think it's six weeks. Yeah. Six weeks, whatever okay. that is. You know, the first three weeks, I think you see a lot of teams fool you, want good or bad. Yes. And I think six weeks, though, you can almost set it in stone. Yeah. Like, the the one thing is, historically, though, too bad of a start. Like, I, there's a few teams. I know the Ducks did it one year. But it is hard. Like, we've seen teams, Frank, get off to good starts for 20 games, and then, boom, the wheels fall off. That's much more normal than teams who have a bad start and are able to recover enough to get to the playoffs. So even 500 isn't a bad start, right? Like if you're 10 and 10 and 20 games and you're a good team, you're still in the mix. But if you're somewhere like seven and 13, historically the numbers will tell you that it's way harder to get back into the race. So that yeah. it's, it's more so the teams who uh, look good in 20 games, you know what, if, if, Anaheim or Chicago or those teams are there, I'd still be like, yeah, well, eventually the season will go the way we think. It's the good teams who get off the bad starts in the 20 games. They have a real hard time making it up. Just too difficult. I wanted to give a little love to the Sens too. Not just the Canucks, but the Sens. Both those teams were facing significant pressure to get off to a good start. Not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, but two and one, went over the lightning, Lost a pretty decent game on the road in Carolina to start. The Sens without Shane Pinto, without Josh Norris. Those are two guys that, when healthy and when signed, will change the look of the Sens down the middle. Much needed. Two and one start. Hey, Brady Kachuk's being a force. 
right? He's, he's doing what your captain should. He, he was excellent, especially in their two victories. So uh, I loved his goal yesterday, man. Just piles down the left wing, just a full on power move goes right to the net scores. I love that goal by Kachuk. And uh, you know, you mentioned Shane Pinto, Frank, and the fact that he isn't signed yet is just ridiculous to me. Absolutely ridiculous that they painted themselves into this spot here. I couldn't agree more. And the fact that they've yet to pull the trigger and trade someone to make the necessary room, unless there's something that we don't see, unless they're waiting on some kind of medical opinion on Josh Norris that might change the game or change the, the view of things, which is like, I think you always have to allow for that type of possibility. But the fact that this has dragged on as long as it has, when, like I, I said last week, they're, they're on the same page. Like they're, I think they've agreed to the general parameters of what this deal is going to look like. He's actually been in Ottawa skating on his own and waiting for something to get done. It's, it's the Sens not pulling the trigger to create the necessary cap space. That's the problem. So are you expecting a two year deal? Yeah, I think something like that in the in the two and a half million dollar range, two and a quarter, some somewhere between two and a quarter, two and a half, right around two and a half. Yeah. Wow. It because here's the thing: the longer it goes, the harder it is for Pinto to get up to speed. That's just a fact, right? Like, look, you know, more than that, they leave, need him down the middle. Exactly. And what are you hearing him. on Norris? Like, how long until Norris can play? I think the really tough part for Josh Norris is trying to separate what's physical and what's mental. Taking contact, putting yourself in that position after whatever tweak he had right before training camp, it's it's a lot harder to do when you've missed this much time and the numbers speak for themselves. The Sens are three games into their season now, which means that Josh Norris has missed 77 of the last 128 games that his teams could have played because of a shoulder injury. This has plagued him for a long time. So at some point, that scar tissue isn't just physical, it's mental. And I don't know what that delineation is. Maybe the Sens don't even know. but. It's, I think it's a real thing. Yeah. Such a talented I, uh, player. Like they cannot wait to get him back. He's oh. so good that it's game changing. Changes their season. Oh, without question. What well, most teams to get back a legit, you know, almost point of game player, man. And, and he's young. And I, I think the potential and where he can go, but um, man, you just hope he feels good because um, and it, you have, Chronic injury issues, they really they just pile themselves on top of one another. And then you mentioned, I think too often, Frank, we might overlook the mental challenge it takes for some guys to get over an injury that's happened a few times. They're like, okay, is it good? Is it good? Is it good? When that's it's five times with the same injury, at what point do you just feel like your body's failing you? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that's not the case, man, because the league's better when you have the best players in the league. That's just how it goes. And uh, what about the Boston Bruins? Uh, not a big deal. Two and zero. Yeah, three two. Hey, look at the uh, look. Hey, that you know what the Bruins organization. Like I said, Frank, it was my one pick that I felt I was like, God, I'm going to regret it the minute I make it. But it's early. We'll see. 
but yeah, early on they have uh, they look like they haven't missed a beat. In their last eighty four games in the regular season, they've won sixty seven. Yeah, I'm I'm not. No one's saying they're going to have a hundred and thirty five point season, but the stat that you brought up in July can win eighteen fewer games this year and still have one hundred points. It's crazy. It's bananas, and to think that that's not attainable or achievable, I think, is is lunacy with how good that defense is. Yeah, no, their defense and their goaltending. Yep. So, question will be: Will they rotate their goalies come playoff time? That'll be the question. They should have. They should have then. <laughs> Sorry, Bruins fans. I don't like to pick at the scar. We're apologizing. So there you go. Have a good week, Frank. We will talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.